Welcome back, everybody, to the High Performance Human Triathlon Podcast. This is another bite-sized episode, and I'm your host, Simon Ward. If you're not already a regular listener, then I hope that after listening, you might feel you'd like to come back. Please make sure you hit the subscribe button so you know whenever a new episode arrives. Podcasts are published twice a week on Wednesday and Saturday, and they're ad-free with my mission of helping to improve the health and performance of every single endurance athlete that listens. To help me, I'd love it if you could share this podcast with just one person that you think you could benefit. And if you've got a couple more minutes, perhaps you could leave me a review on your chosen platform once you have finished listening to this episode. Now, on a recent bite-sized podcast, I outlined the steps you could take to improve your swim. Now, this is a triathlon podcast, and so it'd be remiss of me to ignore the other two disciplines. So today, I'm going to outline my thoughts on how to improve your cycling ready for next season. Boosting your functional threshold power is, of course, a big part of this, and that's what most people would probably focus their efforts on. But there are quite a few actions that you can take before that, which might have just as much impact. So here we go. And these are in the order of importance that I feel they are, but it's not exclusive and you might have your own order. So feel free to move them around, add and take away things that aren't relevant for you. So firstly, be realistic. Unless you've been riding for years at the top of your game, it's still possible to improve. That said, the average gains are likely to be around one watt per week. So if you have targeting races in June, it's possible that you could add 25 to 30 watts to your FTP by that time. And please remember this is an average. Some of you might be able to make bigger gains, others not so much. But the bottom line is, if you keep your expectations realistic, then you'll never be disappointed. Now, the first thing that you can do to make these gains happen is to be consistent. Rather than hammering yourself with occasional intervals or going hard for that one session a week, just start out by making sure you ride your bike regularly. If the bike section of your triathlon is your weakness, then you should be aiming for at least three or four times a week. You could probably do afford to drop your run and swim down to a couple of sessions a week, maybe less if you're exceptional at either. But there really isn't any substitute for getting as much volume as you can. Now, the next thing, and I've talked about this endlessly, but improve your mobility. All riders should aim to be as streamlined as possible because reducing drag is just as beneficial as increasing power. As a coach, it really frustrates me when I go to races and I see riders on a very, very aerodynamic triathlon bike who are sitting up on the hoods. And when I ask some of them later why that was, they'll say, oh, it's a bit painful or difficult for me to stay down there for as long as possible. Getting aero's free. And I'd aim to do this before spending any of your hard-earned cash on aero additions to your bike. I mean... A pair of wheels will look good, especially if they've got those very thick discs, but it's going to knock you back a grand. And you could get very, very aero with monthly mobility or daily mobility, sorry, and doing that month after month for pretty much nothing. So by all means, spend money on those aero gadgets when you've developed the ability to stay aero for as long as your event as you possibly can. And not only that, be able to run well afterwards. Then work on your technique. Of the three tri-sports, cycling is probably the least technical in terms of what you can do with your body, but not completely. For example, if you've got poor hip stability, you might notice that 
one or both of your knees just not tracking a straight line instead they're doing a figure as eight of eight as you push down and then pull back up particularly if you're pushing a big gear or climbing a steep hill these are technique and strength issues that are easy to solve another one is when your upper body moves around as you're pushing that big gear that might be because your core's weak or because you're a little tight in the obliques and you're having to move as you reach down to the bottom of the pedal the best way to solve these is to place a mirror in front of your indoor bike trainer and look at what's happening and then seek to reduce as much extraneous effort and movement as possible. And we call these sort of non-beneficial movements energy leaks. And your job is to try and plug those energy leaks. Now, the other way to do that and to improve that stability is to work on your strength. And you'll know that I'm a big fan of regular strength training. But that said... There isn't a lot of evidence to show a direct correlation being between being able to say squat or deadlift more weight and being able to put more power out on the bike. Now, lifting weights won't harm, especially if you're an older athlete, but please don't expect miracles. So what I'd suggest is that you add some strength reps to your workouts. Sit on the bike, push a big gear up a steady incline, four to 5% will do at 40 to 50 RPM. But do that without any of that movement we talked in the previous paragraph. Okay, so keep absolutely still. Now, you can do this out on the road, but you might find it better to do it on the indoor trainer in a more controlled environment. So your 60 second reps are good enough because it's going to put a lot of effort through those legs and you'll probably need two or three minutes of easy spinning. And over time, you can increase the amount of time that you are pushing the big gear for until you can do 10 or 15 minute intervals and if you can build up to that over the winter you'll find that also has an impact on your bike performance okay and remember what i said use that mirror as well because it'll help you if you've got a tendency to move your upper body around when you're pushing a big gear now another thing that's really going to help you is developing bike handling skills i've done quite a lot of volunteering in my time at triathlons and i'm always amazed flabbergasted taken aback by the lack of riding skills and many triathletes even at the highest levels my cycling buddies tell me that when triathletes join their groups they keep well out of their way they're not very good at things like riding a wheel at speed descending the group cornering fast and just simple things like gear changes at the right time and efficient braking and none of those things can be learned by riding indoors all the time I'm a big fan of gravel riding and mountain bike riding in the winter. Rides like this build some really solid bike handling skills, like looking after your balance on slippery surfaces, climbing while seated, to name a couple. But they also build bike strength and pushing through that heavy ground and off, off rough terrain. Another thing you can do which will improve your bike handling skills is to ride in a group. Now, triathlons are solitary sport. So not only is group riding good for those bike handling skills, but it's also very sociable. Uh, you'll probably end up in a group of mixed ability. So you might find it frustrating to begin with, especially if you're one of those folks that's got a very specific agenda for your session. But if you're out there for four hours, then it's not really necessary to be that specific, particularly as you're going through the window. Remember back to what I said earlier about volume being the biggest thing. So a big long ride will give you the opportunity to climb some hills and go a bit harder and you'll be recovering on the descents but you'll also have that sort of safety in numbers and you'll have that collective sort of i don't know attack on the weather in the winter if you like there's something about being out in the rain when your mates are there that makes it a little easier to swallow than when you're going out on your own 
Now, if you do want to boost your FTP this winter, here's a couple of things you want to do. Firstly, set a benchmark. I know that some of the algorithms on some of the platforms will guesstimate your FTP from previous rides, but there's really no substitute for a test set. Most of the platforms like Sufferfest, Trainer, Roller Swift will have a program that's structured with a warm up and a cool down and a test in it, and you can access these. Now, to be quite truthful, I'm not keen on ramp tests because I feel they aren't that accurate, but I can see why folks choose to use them. They're over quickly and the suffering isn't as great as it is when you're doing something like a 20 minute all out effort. But even those can overestimate your threshold watts by a couple of percent. So if you want to try a true test, a 60 minute FTP test is where you go. I mean, functional threshold power was defined as the power that you can hold for around 60 minutes. So this is going to be it. But there's a couple of words of warning even for this. Number one, it's very painful mentally and physically on your own in a room with just you and the bike and a screen to look at. A lot easier to do it in a time trial out on the open road. Number two, the outcome might be down to your mental toughness as much as your aerobic capacity on any given day. Now please remember that the result is just a guide and results can differ due to many factors including the pre-session fatigue, both mental and physical, nutrition previous to the session and the time of day. Now when it comes to testing, test often but not too often. When we ran the Talent ID programs for North of England, the junior athletes would test three times a year. In October, before the winter training started, in March or April, at the end of the winter and the start of the sort of summer season of training, and probably when they were at their peak fitness before a big race. And that's as much as you need. Okay, They're very demanding mentally and physically tests. So Unless you're a very, very particular type of person, you'll probably get a bit tired of them before they give you many benefits. And also, you'd expect to see an increase from October to March and from March to peak season. But maybe you could also look at how they compare year on year. So what was October's test like compared to last October, which was March with previous March? And that way you'll be able to see how your year on year gains have been laid out. Finally. For boosting your FTP, you need a program. You need to do some HIIT training, but you also need to support that with a lot of endurance work. Remember that pyramid? I've shown one of Stephen Silas' pyramid and its volume and a little bit of HIIT training doesn't really matter much. And, and if you go to the next level, some structured HIIT training. And those are the most important three parts of the foundation of the pyramid. It doesn't really matter what HIIT training you do. It'll all work. Research might show that some are more effective than others, but a lot depends on your goals. If you're racing over shorter distances, you might put more emphasis on training at or around your FTP, but Ironman riders might want to boost their efficiency with longer intervals at aerobic threshold or sweet spot. Anyway, maybe I'll do another podcast about the best training approaches, depending on the goals that you have. So one final point, if you're an athlete in your mid to late 50s or older, please don't get too focused on boosting your FTP by a huge amount, if at all. There's a time, and I have to say that I'm probably at this point now, when we all have to accept that we just can't boost that top end. You probably realise that with your VO2 max for quite some time. Now, this isn't what I call a comment of doom. So please don't think I'm trying to wash off the gloss of this type of training. But sometimes for older folks, if you've got the same power output as last year or the year before, that's the same as a gain when you were 10 or 20 years younger. And if you've been listening thus far, hopefully you've picked up that by using your smarts and wisdom, you can improve your overall bike split by using some other approaches. 
For now, aim to be realistic, be consistent, and above all, please enjoy the whole range of benefits that riding your bike regularly can bring. Okay, that's all from me this week. I think I've probably strayed over the 10 minutes, but it's still a bite-sized podcast compared to normal. If you think I've missed something, or if you've got questions, please drop me an email. You can find a link in the show notes below. And if you think there might be somebody else out there who will benefit from listening to this podcast or any of the previous ones, please feel free to share this. And finally, if you like the podcast, please could you do me a favor and leave a rating or review on your chosen platform. All right. Thanks again for listening. I'll see you next week for another bite-sized episode. <laughs>